Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. It's Tuesday the 5th of November. Coming up, hundreds of churches targeted by criminals. It's very concerning. I mean, one case is bad enough, but to have that many um, is particularly concerning. I imagine it will come as a shock to quite a lot of people in Kent. Campaigners step up fight against new development. Our community and our area, our countryside, it's not the right place for it. They should be looking at brownfields, they should be looking at places that actually do have the infrastructure. And fears for tourism after Brexit. The majority of visitors come to London, we want more visitors to go all around the UK, which is great for visitors, they will have a fantastic experience and also good for the economies across the country. Kent Online News. First today, a woman's being questioned by police following a stabbing in Chatham. We're told a man was attacked at a property in Gordon Road and taken to hospital for treatment last night. Officers arrested a 33-year-old who's known to the victim. Elsewhere, a woman accused of stabbing her mum 13 times in Canterbury will go on trial next year. Olivia Motes appeared in court charged with attempted murder following the attack at the victim's home in Beaksbourne Lane in August. The 49-year-old from Brymore road in the city has been remanded in custody and is due a crown court in January. New figures show hundreds of cases of churches in Kent being targeted by criminals. Since January 2017 there have been a total of 579 reported offences of religious buildings in the county with 224 cases of criminal damage including arson. Mo Metcalf Fisher is from the Countryside Alliance who compiled the data. Well we carried out the initial searches because we've been contacted by a large number of members who were concerned about uh, reports in their area of lead theft. Um, You know, you see the odd story here and there of a a crime from a church roof or something's gone missing at a church um, and it it gets picked up in the local press. But there wasn't really anything out there, which was a database of crimes in churches and religious buildings up and down the country. So we decided to contact all police forces in the country to ask not only about uh, the number of lead and metal thefts that they'd um, had reported to them, but also a number of other crimes. We thought we'd use the opportunity to sort of broaden it to see what was happening in relation to other thefts, uh, violence against people who were visiting the church um, or who were nearby the church. And finally, we looked into criminal damage on church and religious property. So if I look at Kent, uh, Kent, unfortunately, scores um, very highly um, in relation to criminal damage. Um, it's actually one of the highest in the country outside of London and Sussex. Um, so that's, that, that's really quite alarming. It's had 53 uh, reported lead thefts. That's reported, by the way. All of these are um, figures that have come because of police have attended and reported on um, a call-out. Um, so it could be higher in, in, in all cases. So it's 53 um, for lead thefts. Uh, but there's also been 146 other thefts. So that's anything but lead. Um, and then, there, as I said, there's 224 reports of criminal damage um, and 131 cases of violence against a person. Now, violence against a person is usually broken down between um, an injury and non-injury. Um, we didn't actually get that from the police in Kent, but we, we do know that there's been 131 um, violent offences recorded at churches in the county. 
It's very concerning. I mean, one case is bad enough, but to have that many um, is particularly concerning. I imagine it will um, come as a shock to quite a lot of people in Kent. Um, and it does just serve as an important reminder that we need to all be keeping an eye out on churches and religious buildings in our localities and reporting any suspicious activity that you find to the police because obviously the police take it very seriously and they are responding to the calls in Kent, in Essex and all the other um, counties up and down the country. But it does require us as a society to be making those calls and keeping the eyes out. Churches are supposed to be a place where people are welcomed uh, from all over uh, in with loving arms and we owe it to them and, as I said, all religious buildings to all keep an eye on what's going on. We can't actually blame anyone other than the criminals because the police are responding to the crimes. Um, somebody's obviously reporting the crimes and the government are funding uh, programmes to help churches and religious uh, buildings address any security concerns. So really it has highlights the importance of keeping that funding going, uh, visible policing particularly in rural areas where a lot of these churches are quite isolated uh, and for society just to really be aware of what's going on and to keep a more watchful eye in future. Kent Online reports. A father and son who attacked a bouncer at a bar in Folkestone have avoided being sent straight to jail. 28-year-old Samuel McCullough from Dallas Brett Crescent knocked the victim unconscious with one punch at Gillespie's last December before his dad Michael, who's 51 and from Archer Road, punched and kicked him. They've both been given suspended sentences and ordered to do 150 hours of unpaid work. Two Kent police sergeants have been accused of creating a laddish culture and making inappropriate comments to female colleagues. A misconduct hearing's underway to try and decide whether Jamie Howard and Nicholas Granger breached the standards of professional behaviour while working in Medway. A man who admitted trying to smuggle two people into Kent through Folkestone has been jailed for more than two years. The 23 Old was stopped at the Eurotunnel terminal in France in September and claimed a gang threatened to kill him if he didn't bring the man and woman to the UK. A court heard he'd been offered £1,000 to hide them in his boot. Campaigners have stepped up their fight over plans to build thousands of homes near Maidstone. The borough council's proposed a so-called garden community near Lenham, but those against it feel they've been left in the dark. Protesters have now marched through the town centre to try and get more people supporting them. Kate Hammond is from Action Group Save Our Heathlands. Our community and our area, our countryside, it's not the right place for it. So basically we're coming out to sort of basically fight with the council or really sort of show the council it's not the right area for it. There is a lot of other areas that will be a little bit more perfect. It has a lot more infrastructure like the outskirts of certain towns, all that sort of stuff. Our little community or our little countryside is beautiful. It is an area of natural beauty. Um, it's got uh, basically, it, it is country, so there's country lanes. It doesn't have all the things that basically they're sort of saying they're going to do. And from our mind, it would be more better spent actually fixing the things that already they've got. Um, the fact that the facilities, the infrastructure, all those things that are really not working around the community, around the area, and then sort of come and sort of have a conversation about any new houses or any of that sort of stuff. But again, it's not the right area. They should be looking at brownfields. They should be looking at places that actually do have the infrastructure that can hold 
additional houses, additional people, put in like basically things that are affordable to people around that area. Where, where we are, they've got to put in so much work, so much infrastructure, so much everything else, that it's going to be unaffordable. It is going to cost that so much. And in terms of the protest, then, you're kind of just drumming up public support as well and getting more people to back your cause as well? That's exactly right. So we're sort of coming out just sort of to get, like, basically public support. We're also trying to make it sort of so everybody is more aware of it because it's not so so much Lenham Heath. So if they get the infrastructure into Lenham Heath, you can see that it's going to um, swamp up the surrounding communities. And there's lots of villages around the area, beautiful villages, beautiful countryside, and they're basically all just be swamped up into a mini city that's just, like... You know, they're taking away everybody's sort of, um, you know, health, well-being, all, all those sort of things that they sort of, you know, telling us that we should be doing environment, um, wildlife, his history. You know, there's loads of history around that area as well. But, you know, to swamp it into a city really does not make sense. Maidstone Council leader Martin Cox says they'll be looking at all the concerns carefully. A community village or a garden community that has been proposed um, would not happen next week. It could take five, seven, ten years before we even put a spade in the ground. And to deliver 5,000 houses could take 20, 25 years. So this is not sudden, suddenly something that's going to happen instantly. We're not going to get 5,000 people come and we're going to need four different doctor's surgeries. Incidentally, you need less than that. And in terms of obviously they're saying you need to get the infrastructure in place, that's the word we keep hearing. So just to tell about what your kind of view is of them kind of saying, you know, we need to get the infrastructure before we can even, as you say, put a spade in the ground. By talking at this stage with the landowners, um, and that is all we're doing, there has been no planned proposal put in place. We have just called for people who have land. By working with them, we can try and control the uplift in the land value to yield the amount of money that is needed for infrastructure. Yes, it would be lovely to be able to build doctor's surgeries, dentists, schools, and also industry. We need to have jobs for those people. We're not just going to build houses and say, commute to London. That might happen. Certainly, from this point, we aim to plan. And by being able to talk with the landowners and control where the money goes, we hope we may be able to come up with uh, a motorway junction, which I'm sure many people who miss the turning at Leeds Castle and go sailing onto Ashford would find very beneficial. If I can bring up one of the points as well that someone at the march was saying, they felt at the time you were maybe being a bit secretive, but you can say happily now, it's all there on the table. Um, absolutely. I think anybody who uh, is in business would know that sometimes you have to talk with people to a certain extent behind closed doors, but you can't just suddenly come out with an idea you thought of yesterday and put it in to a, something as a call for sites. A lot of work has to go on before you even get to the stage to say, yes, we'll go with that specific site. We indeed, we as a, as a, as a council, um, we have considered other areas in the borough before we went with only one from our point of view. Um, I can tell you that six other sites for uh, garden communities came forward. So we weren't the only people. I think if we just went with the garden communities alone, we'd have around 34,000 homes. 
we don't need that. We need just lower than 10,000 to come to our estimated planning period that we're looking at at 2037. If we chose to go beyond that, it would be, I believe, good planning. At least we could look at where the infrastructure is needed way, way into the future. We can say to government, we can't take 300,000 houses as a, as a country if you don't provide the infrastructure. At the moment, it seems like they can, just at the drop of a hat, uh, produce 25,000 policemen, 20,000 nurses. The list will go on, but who's going to pay for it? And just finally, obviously, if you can cast your mind back to so about a month and a half when we were in Faye Gooch's garden talking about this very issue, she said that housing targets were maybe slightly unachievable in some respects. She thought it was maybe slightly mad even to put so many houses forward into the Maidstone plan. But what is your view of the housing targets that you've been set by the government? I can tell you now my view is the same probably as every single resident in this town and every single councillor in our council chamber. It is a too high figure we will challenge this figure. It is a formula and we believe we could challenge it and I can tell you that the Conservative leader has said that we will unite with this as he has when we looked at where to put the garden community. We all went on board, there were a couple of people obviously who didn't and they're very understandable. It's a very understanding that they didn't actually come with us and say that's the right place. But we will challenge this figure. But we have to get on with the process. We can't stop the process just so that we can say, excuse me, can you talk to us about the figure that you need to produce? Because let's face it, we've only had this government in for the last two years and we're going for another one. At kentonline.co.uk you can see a map showing which areas around Maidstone have been suggested for future development. Kent Online News. Police have released CCTV images of a man they're looking for after a man in his 30s was hit with a metal chain and bitten on his chin in Margate. It happened in College Square last month. The firework display and festive light switch on at the Ashford Designer Outlet has been cancelled because of concerns over animal safety. The event on Thursday was due to mark the official opening of the £90 million expansion, but bosses at the shopping centre say they've scrapped it following advice from animal welfare charities and local authorities. Other festive events will be taking place on the day instead. Two teenage boys have been arrested after around 50 cars were damaged in one night in Thanet and Faversham. Windscreens and windows were smashed last month. The 15 and 16 year olds have been released on bail. Now as the general election campaigning continues, we're told work's being done to make sure tourists aren't putting off coming to Kent after Brexit. Tour operators, travel agents and tourism bosses are meeting in London just days after the country had been due to leave the EU. The biggest event of its kind will decide which holidays feature on travel websites and in brochures next year. Faversham Mid-Kent MP Helen Waitley, who's also the Tourism Minister, has been there. Brexit has come up during several of my conversations. I mean, we've seen that, that um, Britain is still doing really, really well uh, in attracting tourists to our shores. Um, we've, we've got very strong visitor numbers at the moment. But I want to make sure, particularly when I'm talking to European countries, that their tourists aren't worried at all about coming to the UK after Brexit, making sure that they've got clear information about whatever's needed um, in terms of passports and, and, and know that it won't be difficult to get to the UK and that we're very much open for business. So I've been getting that message out. And um, I mean, you mentioned Visit Britain, for example. I mean, I understand they predicted previously about the number of European holidaymakers um, to the UK continuing to fall next year. And, and you talk about that reassurance. I mean, how, how concerning is that? 
So I'm worried if we are going to see a drop in tourists from the EU because clearly that's really important to our economy um, and you know, significant numbers of people visit the UK each year from France and Germany particularly really really important important to my to me and my constituency of Faversham and Mid-Kent so I want to see those numbers uh, continuing I think it would be really helpful if we can make sure that we you know, get Brexit done we move on we're establishing a new relationship with the EU that will address the uncertainty um, but whatever happens, make sure that we continue to have good relations and we're w welcoming tourists to the UK. And you mentioned also Visit Kent being there. I mean, how, how do you feel, um, not only Visit Kent, but um, you know, other tourism officials can ensure that w we can continue to attract um, you know, visitors to, to Kent and, and Britain? Britain has a really strong tourism offer, whatever. Um, people still want to come to the UK. They want to see our heritage, they want to see our countryside, they want to uh, know that we've got you know, fantastic food and, and culture and theatre. There's so much to do here so, and, and, and that's, that's not going to change. Uh, but also very much part of the government strategy on tourism, driven by the tourism sector deal, is to encourage more people to go outside London to the regions all across the UK because there's so much to discover. The majority of visitors come to London, we want more visitors to go all around the UK which is great for visitors, they will have a fantastic experience and also good for the economies across the country. Do you feel with that uncertainty around Brexit that businesses I suppose will just have to work harder to convince people? Something that I have seen since um, we've been moving towards Brexit is the sector looking harder at attracting visitors from further afield. So making sure that we have a really strong offer for the United States and in fact China. Um, I mean both of which are fantastic uh, tourism markets uh, for us for visitors who come here. Um, you know, Chinese, Chinese visitors are, are growing in number and also they spend more money than people from many other countries for example. So actually they're really high value tourists to us. So there's that one, of, one of the upsides is how hard I see the sector thinking about how to make sure they appeal to those new and growing markets. Uh, and just going back again to, um, you, know, you mentioned reassuring people particularly um, from, from Europe about coming here. What, what's the type of concern that they have? Is, is it obviously that, that they don't feel welcome? Is that the sort of message you're trying to reassure them about that they we are open and you know, we are welcoming. The main thing that I have focused on in the conversations for EU tourists coming here is to do with um, make sure people know they won't have to get visas and that the, you know, things will be straightforward at the border. Uh, so that's, uh, that's uh, the particular point. Um, and that uh, in, 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 in future, for instance, that there won't be, you know, suddenly you won't be able to, wouldn't be a sudden change in uh, the document requirements for coming to the UK is really important. How confident are you that we, you know, the tourism industry here can continue to thrive after Brexit? Oh, I think I'm absolutely confident that British tourism will continue to go from strength to strength, um, both because of all that we have to offer and also because of our own strategy as a government for tourism um, that we have um, brought together through through the uh, uh, Visit Britain and Discover England, uh, these 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 um, organisations which promoting the offer that we've got the tourism sector deal that we're we're generally you know, investing in tourism we're investing in, in promoting Great Britain so I, I'm absolutely optimistic and that we can use tourism more and more to improve the economies 
of towns and coastal communities across Britain. The number of visits to the UK fell by just over 5% last year due to fewer people from Europe coming here. Meantime, the venues for general election counts in Tunbridge Wells and Gravesham have had to be changed because they're being used for pantomimes. Council bosses across the county are also looking at whether they'll need to find other polling stations because there'll be festive activities at some of the usual places. Kent Online Sport. Cricket and England have been beaten by New Zealand after a batting collapse in the third T20 international. After a strong start, they lost five wickets for just 10 runs, including Kent Sam Billings, who scored just one. They eventually lost by 14 runs, meaning New Zealand take a 2-1 lead in the series. The fourth game of the five-match contest is on Friday. That's it for now, but don't forget you can go to kentonline.co.uk for more news throughout the day. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.